Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. With more than 35 years combined industry experience, Alex Husner and Annie Holcomb have teamed up to connect the dots between inspiration and opportunity, seeking to find the one story, idea, strategy, or decision that led to their guests' big aha moment. Join them as they highlight the real stories behind the people and brands that have built vacation rentals into the $100 billion industry it is today. And now, it's time to get real and have some fun with your hosts, Alex and Annie. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real of vacation rentals. I'm Alex. And I'm Annie. And we are joined today with Salar Tanzif, who is the VP of Sales for Guest Ranger. Welcome to the show, Salar. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I always see you guys' uh, LinkedIn posts and like, it's it's one of the best podcasts, I think, in the industry. Um, there's a few good ones, but you guys are definitely on the top of it. Well, thank you very, very much. <laughs> we do appreciate that. Um, before we get started, could you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to Guest Ranger? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's a funny story. Um, I guess taking like a bunch of steps back to my first big boy job um, was, was a financial advisor at a subsidiary of Merrill Lynch. It was called Merrill Edge. Um, and it was for smaller accounts. Cause I think Merrill Lynch is about 5 million. Merrill Edge is like 250 to a million. Um, and then I got it when I was in college. I was 19 at the time. I don't even know how I got the job because I didn't have a degree. I was in school. And I remember there were interns, there were interns there that were in school and I was working there as advisor. And that was, that was the hardest job ever. And it taught me a lot. Um, because the test you have to take is this, it's called series seven. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. it's insane. Um, so anyways, I got the job. It was really cool, but I just did not like what I was doing at all. No, no, um, no criticism to the team I was working with, but it was just, I just didn't like what I was doing. So I was like, you know what? I want to go into marketing. So I applied to about, I think 300 or so marketing jobs. Cause I had no experience. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And out of the 300, five of them rep- uh, respond back. Um, one of them was a company called BizCore that I'm sure some of the listeners know about. Yeah. And that's where I got to start in the industry. That's where I started to meet people. And then um, from there, I met the people to go into Guest Ranger after yeah. a few few years of BizCore. And now here we are. Wow, that's interesting. It, it, when you first get out of school, it is kind of, it's like a shot in the dark. And <clears throat> just like with sales, it's, you know, the number of doors that you knock on or resumes you send out, you just, you have to do it in volume because you don't have a whole lot to stand on in the beginning. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Well, thank goodness you didn't give up. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of no's to, to learn to, to learn to accept. Right. Yeah, early. yeah, and, that, and that's uh, that's going back to what Alex says. It's it's about just counting the nose. Doesn't matter what it is in sales or applications or jobs. Just count the nose, and eventually you get to yes. And all it takes is one yes. So yeah, 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 absolutely. So now with Guest Ranger, we'll we'll dive into <clears throat> kind of the overall topic of what you do. I mean, security has become definitely a uh, an issue within vacation rentals uh, particularly over the last few years with with Airbnb and just so many more players within the game um tell us about what guest ranger does I mean, just for our audience that isn't aware yeah for sure for sure by the way a quick apology to the audience if my voice is kind of scratchy i just got back from canada so i got sort of like <laughs> scratch on my throat um gotta, but, r- wait hold on you have to say where you were too because i, was I think in, that's I was worth mentioning Banff. Yeah, so I don't think if any if any of your listeners don't know anything about Banff, but uh, if you don't know 
and you're looking to go on a vacation, I would highly, highly recommend. It's an amazing <laughs> place. It's B-A-N-N-N-F. It's a weird word, but uh, it's amazing. Just make sure you were you're, uh, not underdressed like I was. Come from Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have the, didn't have the required yeah. ski. Yeah. Time, right? Uh, we're jealous. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. But, um, but to answer your question, so we, essentially we're like a risk management company. Um, and one of the primary things we do is to screen guests, right? So what, is, what does that mean, screening guests? It could mean a lot of things. Uh, but if you break it down, it's a matter of stopping the bad actors. So mm -hmm. taking a step back, right? If, if I asked you, like, it's a dumb question. If I asked you, hey, um, you like your car a lot. I'm assuming it's a great car, right? Uh, everyone likes your car. If you, you know, had someone from the internet that just reached out to you and said, hey, can I, you know, drive your car around for a week? Would you just let them drive it around? Because I, I know I wouldn't if it's yeah, a random guy yeah, internet. No. So <laughs> you, would, you would have some type of screening procedure in place. Um, so this goes for really any assets, whether it's a car, a boat, a yacht. In our case, their houses or their homes are real assets that mean a lot to the owners that have them. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't make sense as to why you wouldn't want to screen a guest to see, you know, do they have any shady background? Um, are they committing fraud? Uh, are they using a stolen credit card or stolen ID? Um, what have other property managers said about them? because we have an internal network of reviews that our clients write. So it, it can mean a lot of things, but essentially going back to what I said, it's really about a matter of stopping bad actors. Um, and, and one quick thing too, it's not just a matter of revenue. It's not just a matter of like, Oh, you're going to lose, you know, units or you're going to lose a, uh, this reservation because of fraud. It's a matter of the reflection of, of what a bad guest looks like on our industry. Right, mm -hmm. right now, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. sure if you guys seen the movie barbarian, right? It's like a horror movie about, in this Airbnb, uh, this guy goes to Airbnb. And there's a monster living under it. Um, oh, wow. I haven't seen that. <laughs> no, I, don't yeah. <laughs> I will avoid yeah. that one. <laughs> so our our industry doesn't necessarily have a good rep against people that are not in the industry, right? When you think about Airbnbs, you think about party houses and all these different things. So not speeding your guests essentially adds more wood to that fire. Um, it's really a matter of preserving the reputation of our industry. That's the way I look at it, at least. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes perfect sense. And I love the car analogy. Um, that that definitely makes sense on it, too. And really, you know, I, I hear a lot about from the hotel side of, you know, why do vacation rentals? Why? Why? How do you expect that you can just screen your guests? You don't have to do that to stay in a hotel or to stay in something else. But it is different. I mean, this is something that somebody personally owns. This is not a, a corporately owned um, property. So, you know, it's it's definitely needed. And I think just eliminating the bad actors is something that we can all understand is, is important to the industry. And if this is able to cut, cut that down, it's, it's wonderful. And really as a property manager, if you're able to tell your homeowners, whether they're on your program or thinking about coming to your program, this is something that we do to protect your assets. That makes you look like a yeah. very, very well-established incredible source for them. Yeah. hundred percent. 100%. Because it's, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, no, it's, it's their asset. So what you said yeah. is on on point. It's a really great homeowner acquisition strategy. Because uh, mm -hmm. again, it's not just a matter of risk, risk management. It's also, in a sense, inventory acquisition. If I'm going mm -hmm. up to you or Annie and I'm like, hey, can I manage your home? The first thing you're thinking about is, well, yeah, but I've heard a bunch of bad things about Airbnb. Um, but if you can kind of ease that, uh, that, that, that tension and, and they're worried, then 100%.
Yeah. Yeah. We talked to um, uh, Leo from Super Hog um, mm-hmm. when he was starting, they were starting out in the US. And one of the things he talked about was um, okay. in Europe, booking.com was really big. And so I know when they came to the United States, I was actually working at another channel at the time. And that was always the easy sell was like, oh, their guests are really bad and they have all these problems and stuff. And he said that um, in Europe, that he had people that were like, well, we're just not going to use the channel anymore. He's like, well, where is your business coming from? He's like, well, we're still trying to figure that out. We had to turn the channel off. And he's like, well, that's exactly why we, you want to use a tool like this. You want to be able to check your guests out. Yeah. So like, it, it's it, it's so many layers deep, but I think, you know, and, and the unfortunate thing that's come up, I think in the U.S. specifically, and Florida's got a really big problem with it is um, trafficking. And so mm-hmm. being yeah. able to, you know, being able to catch these people and it, because you, a lot of times it's people that you wouldn't expect that are involved in some of these things, but just right. getting the information and being able to uncover, I mean, it's, it's, it's doing such good work, not only for the industry, but for the community at large. So I think what you're doing is, is very valuable, not just for the homeowner or the management company, but whatever community your management company is sitting in, it's, it's helping out the community. hundred percent. Yeah. And fortunately in parts of Florida, that is a, that is a common thing. And Hopefully to years to come, it doesn't become that common, but yeah, that is an unfortunate fact there Um, where I guess it just goes back to what Annie was saying, which is, well, hotels don't do it. Why should vacation rentals? Because hotels have consolidated processes in place. They're established. Mm -hmm. uh, They've been here for a long time. A vacation rental essentially is just some, you know, not to, not to dumb it down, but it's essentially someone just saying, Hey, let me just manage all these units. It's not as consolidated as, a uh, Hyatt or a Marriott or, you know, uh, you know, these giants hotel uh, franchises. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that is an unfortunate thing. Um, one other thing too, on top of that though, is how screening kind of ties and bleeds into the world of regulations, which I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. know oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. is popping up everywhere like whack-a-mole um, yeah. in Arizona it's now a law where you need to screen your guests for sex offender checks, which I I don't necessarily disagree with. I think it's a good law, Um, but it does become bad, bad laws, right? When you actually start to uh, outright ban vacation rentals. And that's what's happening in in big tourist parts in Oregon, some parts of Oregon, Atlanta. Um, And if you can go to your legislators and say, hey, well, you know, we take our job seriously, we're professionally managed, we do, you know, we have noise aware, we have guest ranger, we have whatever, and we can see that they're not just throwing parties and that we're not just booking bad people. And that really helps that argument, in my opinion. We'll be back in just a minute after word from our premier brand sponsor, Casago, and co-sponsors, Guest Ranger and Good Neighbor Tech. Casago's founder, Steve Schwab, has been quoted as saying, you can only be a local in one place. This simple yet profound statement is the basis of Casago's franchise model, which allows locally owned vacation rental management companies the ability to compete at a national level by leveraging the systems, software, and support, the buying power of a much larger organization. As a Casago franchisee, you have the freedom to run your business with the support of a community of like-minded professionals while leveraging the economies of scale and buying power to increase profitability and reduce operating costs. Guest Ranger is the premier guest screening and chargeback protection solution. Leveraging AI, their tool effectively detects fraudulent activity, fake IDs, and underage guests, while also performing comprehensive dynamic background checks. With Guest Ranger, businesses can rest assured that their customers are safe and secure. Good Neighbor Tech allows you to manage your properties remotely and intelligently, protecting your owners and your guests. Their smart Wi-Fi locks allow you to provide temporary access to home and garage from anywhere and keep track of when guests and service providers are in the property. 
Good Neighbor Tech provides the ability for you to collect email addresses from all guests staying in a property, not just the one who booked the reservation. Every guest who connects to the internet will see your branded welcome page and be prompted to provide their email address in order to connect to the Wi-Fi. Visit casago.com forward slash franchise, guestranger.com and goodneighbortech.com for more information. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know in our, in my local market in Myrtle Beach, one of the things that most companies don't do is they don't rent to locals because they're worried about parties. Right. And it's, that's really, it's not that, not that we don't want to rent to good locals, but a lot of companies, they don't have that screening capability and they're trying to prevent, you know, people that are coming from just a little bit either outside of, you know, Myrtle Beach area that might be coming for nefarious reasons, or it's like parties in town, but we're turning down a lot of revenue by doing that because right. there are plenty of people, myself included, that, you know, if I have girlfriends coming to town, sometimes we'll just do a staycation at a, at a property. And luckily I know people to get it booked for me, but if I just wanted to do that on my own and book it online, it would say no, because I live in Myrtle beach. So, um, you know, I don't think I'm all that nefarious, but it's, <laughs> it's <kind of> sad, <laughs> but yeah, I think, do you run into that? I mean, do you, is that a, a selling point in some markets that just being able to, to rent to locals, or do you see that as uh, something that companies don't, aren't doing because of that reason? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. So within, I mean, throughout cases of fraud, you'll see common patterns. One of the common patterns is local guests. Another common pattern are last minute reservations. So if someone books a day, yeah. two days before a reservation, right. that's a common pattern. Um, or even, you know, the, the amounts of the units, so the dollar value of that reservation, if it's over $10,000, $20,000. Um, these are things that are not red flags of things that you should look into more. And so because of those different uh, variations and fraud in different markets, right? Because Florida and Georgia, by the way, have the highest rates of fraud compared to, you know, California or other cases. So um, because, because of, of, of the fact that every market's different, we have what are called risk rules or risk logic. So clients can actually implement certain rules and say, hey, look, if this is a, if this is a last minute reservation and it's over $10,000, it's a local guest, Let's apply more stricter checks on this person. Let's have them take a picture of their ID, credit card, face, and let's let's add a lot more friction to this. But for the rest of the reservations, let's apply checks that are not that are not, that, have, that have no friction, that are frictionless in that sense. Yeah. Because essentially, essentially, what you want to do is you want to reduce fraud, but not reduce your bookings. Right? right exactly. You don't, you don't want to yeah. push people away. You want to verify them, but not in the risk of losing your revenue. Right. Yeah. So how does the process work? So again, like for a guest that calls in, I mean, you put in these parameters, but do, do you, does your team actually do any physical work or is it all just automated through, through a, a computer system? Yeah, that's a great question. This is where I can kind of nerd out on this stuff. So <laughs> I love it. Welcome to, welcome to the <laughs> show. <laughs> but, uh, but essentially the backbone of Guest Stranger, the tool is all AI. There's different branches of AI. I'm sure you hear that word around a lot, ChatGPT and all these crazy yeah. trendy things. So ChatGPT is a language model. We don't work with that, but we work with what's called computer vision, which is a branch of AI that deals with uh, vision, computer vision, right? It's pretty straightforward. Um, basically, what that means is anything that has to do with uh, images or, or visual processes. Um, so our models, we have, we have separate models that are trained to detect certain uh, deviations, let's say, of what's a normal ID or a normal passport. So for example, in a normal ID in the US, 
there are certain emblems on the fronts, like the state emblem, uh, certain security features, how the lighting is affected on, on the fronts, mm-hmm. um, the deviation of the fonts, the spacing of the font, the size of the fonts that give it the authenticity that that it's a real ID, right? Um, and then on the back of the ID, if you actually look, look at your driver license or passport, there's a, there's a little barcode. That's called a PDF-147 scanner. And within that barcode, there's all the information that's related to you, right? So 10 years ago, uh, fake IDs were not sophisticated enough to have your information in that barcode. But now it is. I mean, now there are really, really great fake IDs. After this, after this uh, podcast or right now, if your listeners want to, they can Google buy a fake ID on Google. And you're, you're literally going to be hit with like a bunch of websites in the first page. I think Etsy is like, one of them. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> you, you guys can Google it too. Friendly, that's we, friendly fraud right there. We, we made it, we made yeah. them in the basement in high school, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you can buy them on Etsy. Yeah, but now it's like really sophisticated IDs. So, um, so that's essentially wow. how our, our primary product works: is the fake ID and facial comparison track. The second type of product is, is going back to the risk, the risk score, the frictionless check. I should say that I mentioned before, and what, what we're doing, what we're doing here is we're checking for what's called a synthetic identity or synthetic ID, which basically means like I steal Annie's ID, right? Um, I put on a wig, whatever, I put on some lipstick. <laughs> and then... This is interesting. Yeah, you gotta be careful. This all is gonna steal my identity. Guard your pocketbook. When I put on a blonde wig. And then, but but here's the thing though, I don't, let's just assume I don't know Annie that well, I'll just have her, her ID. I need to know her information, but let's say I don't. So I just make up information. I say, oh, I'm, I'm Annie. I live on one to three Apple streets. My number is whatever. Um, and if they have no way of actually checking the consistency of this data and making sure, oh yeah, there actually is an Annie that lives on one to three Apple street or no, there isn't. Then you can, then you can get hit with what's called synthetic identity fraud. Um, so we use MasterCard's ID engine. So they have their own ID engine that has a database of pretty much everyone domestically. Um, where we can see, okay, does their phone number match their name? Does their address match your name? How old is that number? When was the email made, right? Did I just make this email yesterday or is it three years old? And based yeah. on that, we give you a score. Um, and that's, that's where the frictionless check comes in. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> I have so many questions. I'm sure you <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> a lot of information. Yeah. I, I told yeah, you it was no, a nerd out on this stuff. So. Well, super interesting. I, we've, we've, we've been excited to have you on the show because we wanted, you know, we've, we've learned about guest ranger, you know, over the last couple of months, but I, I know the main benefit of it. And, you know, you, <clears throat> guest ranger is one of our preferred partners for Costigo. So I'm, I tell people about what you do, but I've never known exactly the science behind it. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting to know, but so if you, okay, you, you put on the blonde wig and you take, the ID out of Annie's pocketbook. And, yeah. but say you also took her debit card, right? So I mean, you know, back in the day, everybody used a fake ID at one point, like you normally tried to have a backup. So if you have a, a backup card, you're not making up the Annie lives on that street. So what is it actually, it's just comparing your face to what is there. Right. So it's, let's taking a lot of factors. And so let's say, let's say I, Let's say I put on a blonde wig again, put on lipstick, take Annie's identity, right? And let's say on top of that, I, I don't know, make a plastic card with Annie's name, um, which you can do, by the way, it's called carding. You can go on the dark web, buy a bunch of cards, and then just make don't take cards. Annie's name. Just don't, yeah, just don't <laughs> any ideas. Solar's got that taken care of. <laughs> don't use Annie's name. Um, exactly. <laughs> but you can, you can order a machine. It's pretty interesting. And you can actually like, 
print digits on a plastic card and take someone's identity, but rather their, their credit card info. Okay. So let's say I did that, right? Let's say I put, I put all this effort, did that. And then let's say I went to Myrtle Beach and booked a stay at a notification hall there. Um, but let's say that vacation on guest injury. So what happened is um, we would check for a lot of things. So one, we're checking to see if the ID is fake or not. So in that case, we can see the ID is fake. Because again, I have the debit card with the information, but now I need an ID to match it, right? So I make a fake ID with, you know, my, my face, the blonde wig. Um, <laughs> however, I put my face on the ID and your information on it. So okay. if, you, if you show it to someone, they'll say, oh, well, this matches. This is Annie. Here's her debit card. It goes together. But if you run it through a, a fake ID model and it comes back and fills it and right off the bat, it's going to fail, right? Um, on top of that, if I had Annie's real ID, right, and her real card, but it asked me to take a selfie, then that's another way to fail because now I have her card, her ID is real, her card's real, but I don't have her face, right? So, um, those are two ways it fails. Now, what the risk score, what I was talking about earlier, is that if I have her ID and her card, um, I would need her phone as well, right? Because her phone's associated with her name. And we would be checking to see if the phone that guest gave you matches the information that the guest submitted. And if it fails, it's another indicator. Uh, so there's a lot that goes into there's different levels of like, you know, variations of how we catch fraud. Um, but that's a quick summary of how it would work in real time. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up the machine thing. So two Mm -hmm. things. One, there was actually a case here over in Destin, Fort Walton. Um, Somebody that I know had a guest that was in their unit. A lot of like fraud was going on in the community and they ended up tying it back to this guest in the unit. And he had a machine in the room and he was printing up credit cards. And I had no idea that even existed. Well, then about a month and a half, maybe two months later, my husband and I found a movie like on Netflix or Apple TV or something about a girl who got kind of sucked into this LA crime ring. And that's what they were doing is they would give people these credit cards, basically print them up and they were loaded with certain amounts of money. And they would go buy like big screen TVs at like a Sam's club or a Costco. And then they would return it, like to return the goods like the next day for cash because they wouldn't put the money back on the credit card. And they were running like hundreds and thousands of dollars a week through like all these stores in LA at the end of the movie, she ended up taking the machine and moving down to like Columbia or something and doing mm-hmm. the same thing. But again, I, people are so like creative with their criminality. Like it just blows my mind out yeah. how you stay ahead of it. But well, that, yeah. that's just a lot to have to worry about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's super true. Um, and, and essentially, I mean, it's kind of it's 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 a cat and mouse game because they're coming up with, you know, they're trying to defeat what we do. We're trying to defeat what we do. So it's a constant cat and mouse game. Um, but yeah, these people, so luckily in our industry, we don't really deal with really, really sophisticated criminals like banks do, right? In the the world of finance, you're dealing with people that are, that have created AI to combat AI, right? So they're able to kind of, uh, spoof algorithms. I'm not sure if you guys know what deep fakes are. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. yeah, Stuff over people's videos. So for your oh. listeners, if you don't know, you can Google it, but it's basically like, I, I took a picture of you, I put it on someone's, like, I don't know, let's say uh, Jim Carrey's face, just a random example, oh, right? okay, I got you, yeah. And then and it, would, it would be you talking like Jim Carrey. Or what it was oh, yes, 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 okay. And, and they're using very sophisticated AI models to combat uh, their, the, the bank's processes. So luckily we don't deal with that. We just, we deal with, you know, petty criminals that, you know, fumbled their way through a stolen ID, a stolen credit card uh, in our industry. Uh, mm-hmm. And they just want to be cash flow because you can't really steal money in this industry. 
uh, as in like actual cash, obviously you're going to cause the PM to lose revenue. But in terms of stealing cash, you can't really do that. You could steal the, the furniture and the things in the house. And that's a huge issue as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a, it's, it's a really interesting world. One other case of fraud to bring up. So what we're talking about is true fraud, which is actual fraud. Another case is uh, it's called friendly fraud. And I think Alex, you kind of mentioned yeah. that earlier. Um, and so I don't know why it has a name. It's not friendly at all. It's really annoying. But, but basically, yeah. basically, annoying fraud wasn't catchy. <laughs> yeah, annoying fraud. Guess we just stops annoying fraud. Um, so, right. so basically, if I booked a stay with you know whatever X Y Z vacation rentals, and, and I actually made the stay, there's no fraud going on. What happens is I go home and call my bank and say, "Hey, someone stole my ID." And this this was a fraudulent uh, reservation on my card, and so the bank does a chargeback. They, they refund that money because the second you say fraud to a bank. They're going to do a chargeback because they're so they're so uh, customer oriented, and of course they're a bank. They should be, but um, so in that case, the only way to combat friendly fraud is through documentation. Yeah. And so that's why that's that's another reason why we have the selfie ID and picture of the credit card that we provide to the client to give to the bank as documentation. So if I lied and said I never made that reservation, they're going to say, "Well, there's a selfie, there's an ID, and there's a credit card, but we know it's yours." How did that happen? Um, and and that's, that's one thing we do as well, but yeah, fraud is like, you know, fraud is a lot of different branches and we only deal with two of them. That's yeah. That, well, that's, that's a big thing right there though. And I think depending on the channel that somebody books on, some channels are worse with fraud than others, others are, but, um, you know, that's, it's, do you, how, how, what is the success rate when people go back to their bank after they've provided that verification? Like is, I'm sure it improves, but does yeah. it make, is it like 90% that they get back or? So, so knock on wood it, right now it's to hundred, but the wow. reason I say knock on wood, the reason I <laughs> say knock on wood though, yeah. the reason I say knock on wood though is because at the end of the day, it's up to the bank to decide if they want to, you know, uh, sell yeah. the speed or not. And yeah. we can, and there's, I mean, with, with operational chargebacks, which is a whole different thing. It's like, if, if a guest says, you know, the, uh, the, the room didn't match the picture on Airbnb. And I'm going to file a chargeback. With those chargebacks, usually the bank staffs for the rental agreements, um, some contracts and other things. That's 50-50. And, and it's funny because some clients submit the same exact documents to, to that bank and they do to another bank and then one will fail, one will pass. Mm-hmm. So at the, at the end of the day, it's going to be up to the bank to decide. There is no guarantee, but so far we've seen a great amount of success because you have the credit card ID picture. And you're going to need the rental agreement as well, but it's assuming you already have it. Yeah. How long does the check actually take? So like, so I book a reservation with Alex's company and then the information I do, you send me a a notification that I have to provide more information. And then, so like, again, in the case of like the ones that you put a lot of restrictions on, so like a last minute, 48 hour booking, um, obviously you want to get that information back quickly. How long does that check actually take to to run through the whole process? Yeah, great question. So assuming that the guest is going through the most, you know, the, the, the strictest check possible, what happens is exactly you said, the reservation's made, they get a notification to do that verification. Um, and then the actual process of the guest going through it should take no more than 10, 12 seconds. Cause all they're doing is that they're taking a picture of their ID and a selfie and a credit card if, if needed. Um, and then right after, immediately after, the guest does that. We notify the PM and say, hey, here are the results. Either it filled or passed. This is why. 
Um, and here are the pictures for documentation. So it's, it's right away. It just depends on when the guest does it. Yeah. And does that go, does that notification of failure or passing go into their PMS? So that's mm-hmm. an automated back to the guest, or is it actually a physical, here's a message you need to call them kind of thing? Yeah. So in, in, in some of our PMS partners, it actually goes back inside the PMS. So we're like directly inside of their PMS, okay. the, the user interface. Um, and then the other ones where we're not, it, it's an email notification that takes them to admin. It just depends on the PMS use. But in most PMS partners, it does go back straight into that PMS. That's right. Yeah. And how many PMSs are you currently connected to? Let's see. I think it's about uh, five or six or so. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Streamline, Track, Scapia, um, the big ones. And then we're working on a few other ones with HostAway, hostfully. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but the, the big ones that the big ones here, the yeah. majority of yeah, the majority of people use were gotcha. Yeah. Now, what if if a guest books on Airbnb? Airbnb is already doing something similar, right? If it's a new guest, right? Yeah. So, so that's another good question to bring up too. So, Airbnb does have an ID verification process. Is it effective? No. And I'm not. And obviously, I'm going to be biased in saying that, but. I generally, it's generally not effective. No knock on Airbnb. If you guys can go in and, you know, create multiple users on Airbnb with different IDs and still going to create yeah, a that's user not for effective. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. However, the thing is, um, Airbnb is not, mer- is merchant of record. So for the most part, people have the perception that, oh, they're not, mer- they're, you know, we're not merchant of record. Airbnb takes the risk. We don't have to worry about that. And that's true. Mm-hmm. Sure. You don't have to worry about a chargeback. But if, assuming, right, someone is committing fraud and they're an active criminal, um, you don't think they're going to damage your house or, you know, still your right. furniture. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. don't know what they're going to do. It's loose cannon. Exactly. Right yeah, exactly. Yeah. So is, is screening required for Airbnb in terms of chargebacks? Not necessarily. They deal, they take the risk, but is it required in terms of, you know, mitigating the risk of booking a criminal that's using a stolen credit card? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just, you know, it, it paints a, a true picture of what, all of us as the professionally managed vacation rental industry have really sought to build here. You know, companies like Guest Ranger listened to what's going on, saw the needs mm-hmm. of the property managers and built something that is, you know, to that next level of what Airbnb is willing to go out and, and yes. risk, you know, but yeah, no, I think that that's great. That's really cool. Yeah. And then outside of fraud too, to the topic of conversations fraud, um, there is also, because going back to what I said, we're kind of the, under the umbrella of risk management. Um, guest mm-hmm. screening is another uh, solution, I guess you can say. So what I mean by that is, so how do you screen a guest um, without doing a fraud check? So we have an internal database of, of reviews that our clients have written about guests, right? So if, they, if a guest was like a terrible guest, they brought their dog when they weren't supposed to. And, Right. You know, uh, burn the house down, whatever the case yeah. is. They can they can write they can write a review about them. And if oh, I, really? the next, okay. Yeah. And, the, and if the week after, right, another one of our clients, the same guest, those reviews would pop up. Um, so internally, it's a way to kind of you know see which guest is is worth booking and, and which one is going to be a headache. And yeah. I think that really takes the power away from that guest of you know blackmailing you over a bad review. Yeah. Where, where 
it's funny because I mean, you know, like I was saying just a second ago, you you really have listened to what the industry needed. And I know 10 years ago, we all here in North Myrtle Beach Market had a meeting about could we build an internal website or system where we, if we had bad guests, we were sharing that information with each other so that that person wouldn't go leave one office and go to the next office to try and you know stay there. But and we didn't because, you know, we were worried about the privacy concerns and everything else. And it just wasn't secure. Security is not necessarily the business that any of us are in. We're in hospitality. So um, this solves that problem and, and alleviates things nicely. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Some channels actually, I know um, I think booking has it where you can go on there and you can you can submit a request to have somebody labeled as a as an, you know, as a bad actor. But yeah. but I having done that for property managers on their behalf before, the process that they make you go through to be able to prove that out. Again, yeah. it's like the guest, the guest has so much more control over the situation, but this seems to be like very much black and white. Yeah. Like you have all the backup to show that they've been doing bad things, not just mm -hmm. like photos of something in a room that, you know, people make the accusation that they're not real or something. So, so that's good. So how many, so how many, so you guys have been in existence for how long now? It's been about three years or so. Okay. Uh, the first, yeah, the first year was just straight up just tra training these models and that takes right. a lot of time it takes a lot of data um because it's not just us uh, documentation passports it's other countries as well so really any international country their passport we can verify with the exception of north korea we're not in that market yet so mm. <laughs> maybe one day but but uh as long as you're not from north korea or you know booking a vacation <laughs> on north korea then we can we can verify that passport so if Annie suddenly shows up from North Korea, you know, there's, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's a little strange. So how many, yeah. how many, um, how many checks have you done in, since you guys started? I don't know the total amount, but but collectively every month we're doing about twenty five thousand checks. Um, oh, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a good amount, and it's growing exponentially. Um, so it's it's interesting to see the growth of this. You know, when we first brought this to market, we knew that it was going to be a uh, there was any demand for it but not as much demand as we expected which is always great yeah. Yeah. What's, what's the percentage of that twenty five thousand that a red flag gets raised on would you say it, it depends on a couple of factors so it depends on how strict they want that check to be so oh, for yeah. example yeah. um for example they can go very strict and fail someone if their name doesn't match right so if, mm -hmm. if your name is christopher smith and you put chris smith as a reservation that'll mm -hmm. fail it um or they can go more lenient and check for nicknames um, they can also implement age verification. So if they're below the age minimum, they'll check for that as well. Uh, if your age minimum is 25 and someone's 18, they'll fill it. Right. Um, it, 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 it depends. Um, it just depends how strict you want that check to be. Usually it's, it's what, what I prefer when I always tell a team, this is really just my philosophy is I'd much rather have it fail and be a false uh, negative than pass and be a false positive. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as long as you have the yeah. technology that's set up to handle these things so that it's not an overburden on the property manager that there's so many things they have to do to follow up and then they figure out there's nothing wrong and it just ends up being a waste yeah. of time. But as long as the technology backs that up to streamline it, then I think, you know, that makes all the sense in the world. And one thing you said, Alex, too, a few minutes ago that I like a lot is you said that you're in the hospitality business, not you know, the, the fraud prevention business or whatever, which yeah, is 100% yeah. true. Property managers are not in the business of being risk analysts. They're in the business right. of hospitality. 
So if you have a tool that just does all that for you, unfortunately, it's it's a requirements. Um, then you know, then you have all everything you need in that sense. Yeah. Now I've I've rented a Turo car rental a few yeah. times now, and they go through that same process. That when you book the car, you have to put your ID, you take a picture, and you have to take a picture of yourself. Is that? I'm just curious. Like the technology that's behind an app like that, it's essentially the same thing that you guys do. So can Guest Ranger be used for? different types of use cases besides vacation rentals? hundred percent. Absolutely. It's, it's the technology is parallels what we do hundred percent. And so it's not just that, you know, we, the, the models are just for vacation rentals. It doesn't care. It's, it's as long as you have a selfie and ID, no matter what the industry is, we can verify them. We just like vacation rentals because this is just, you know, the industry that, the majority of the team has experience in and yeah. we found that yeah. <laughs> we, we found that no one really is doing this as seriously as other industries. So yeah. um, we saw that need there. We joke. It's all the cool kids are here. So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a good thing that out of those 300 resumes that you landed on one with vacation right. rentals. Like, yeah. Yeah, could have, this could have been 300 other different things, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. You know, one really quick thing about that story too is so out of I think out of the five three hundred, there was five that reached out, um, and one <laughs> of them was Biscore. That day that I went to Biscore, I had an interview with another person. It was like an Alzheimer's startup. It was really cool in in Scottsdale, and then um, and then I was like, oh, they offered me a position. I'm like, oh, cool, I'm gonna take this. And I think Biscore emailed me or called me. I don't know how they got a hold of me, but they're like, hey, do you mind like coming in later today too? I'm like, I don't know. It's in Chandler. It's like a three minute drive. So I was about to not go to that interview. And then, wow. you know, luckily I went. So it's it's pretty cool how things work out. It really is. And I have a kind of a funny story that I was thinking about it when you were saying the 300 originally. When I first moved to Myrtle Beach, it wasn't 300, but it was, I think, probably 15 different advertising agencies that I applied with. And only one of them got back to me. And that was the job that I took. <laughs> And was there for about a year and then went to one other agency. And then I landed at, was at Condo World for many years. But one of the agencies that I had applied to, um, a guy named George Durant, um, that was his, his agency. And I met him later on in my days at Condo World. And he actually became a very uh, close mentor to me over the years. And on my, I think it was my 30th birthday, we went out to lunch and he brought me what I had submitted to him for my resume back wow. like 12 years ago at oh that time. And, <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe you have that. And I, I, was, I forgot that I'd even applied with him, but I had, um, uh, I put my resume in this little box with a spark plug and it said, I'm a spark plug of creative energy. And it had like a little <laughs> jump drive on it. I've kept oh that gosh. on my, on the shelf in my office for all this time. He's like, I've been waiting for the right moment to tell you about it. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. You never know. What that's, maybe one of those five so cool. could pop up. So right. wow. <laughs> I know that's, that's wild. Did you, um, your background's in advertising then, right? That, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's very yeah, cool. yeah. That was, that was hundred. My, my dad was in advertising too. And that I won't take credit for that idea. That was him being like kind of outside <laughs> of the box for creativity, but it's, it's funny when you uh, have those inflection points <laughs> later yeah. on. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. It's uh yeah. I mean, I guess take, taking that, the concept, the principle out of that is if anyone's listening and trying, trying to get into this industry or really any industry, just keep applying to a bunch of jobs until one of them just says yes. So. Yeah. Consistency, creativity, you know, both of those things will get you a long ways. <laughs> We've learned that with 100%. the podcast, you just have to be consistent and finally people will start listening to you. So 
Yeah, besides the start dance. You guys have you guys have grown a lot. I think when when was the first episode? Was it like last year or two years ago? Is that a year ago, November, what is when we started? So yeah. So we're, we're yeah, I remember yeah. I remember like your post, you're like, oh, it's 10 days before our first episode or five yeah. days before our first episode <laughs> countdown. And then now you guys have grown a lot. It's, it's awesome. Is it just like being consistent? Is that your, your, your key to the growth of this podcast? hundred percent. We just talked about that the other day. Yeah. And, um, Sarah and Annette and a couple of the other podcasts, Will Slickers had, had given us that same advice early on that we were asking, you know, how do we grow this? And, and they all said, you've just got to keep being consistent and, and it will come. But for a lot of people, when they get into podcasting, one, you realize there's, it's a lot of work and there's a lot to it, but they'll do a couple of podcasts and then they're just like, I, I can't, I don't have time for this. I'm going to, I'm done. But we've showed up every Wednesday since then. I don't, I mean, and, and I think the funny thing about having Wednesday every day is our, our <laughs> launch date. It really has become like an accountability thing for us that it's like, no matter what, <laughs> we've got to get an episode out on Wednesday. So yeah. if that means all nights on Tuesday nights, you know, there were many of those before we had an agency and editors that helped us with this stuff. But um, yeah, it's consistency is a big part of it. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Alex is, she's very tenacious. She doesn't, she doesn't take no for an answer. So I'm going to make you do it. So she's, she's a good partner to have, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good, but we're really, really appreciative of you taking some time out of your schedule to come talk with us about guest ranger. And we're seeing you more and more places. I know that you just added Jackie Nord to the team and she's, yeah, she's phenomenal. So she's, awesome. she's like just a great personality and so well-known yeah. I think that's a great ad for you guys. Um, no, but, she's, yeah, she's, she's amazing. Um, we're yeah. very lucky to have her on the team. Well, good. Absolutely. If anybody wants to learn more about guest ranger or sign up or do a demo or what, how do they reach you guys? Um, so you can either go to our sites and with the contact form there or reach out to me directly. It's going to be uh, solar. So it's like it's salad, but just replace the D with an R. S L. <laughs> Annie's asked me like, but before we got to know you, she was like, I can't remember his name. I'm like, it's Salar. <laughs> like, okay, now I know. Yeah, so just, anybody anybody salad, remembers yeah. a salad with an R, not a D. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. I'm gonna scream salad ranger. across a showroom floor somewhere. <laughs> what 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 um nationality is um, is it? I'm Persian. So Persian. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, Armenian, Persian, Middle Eastern, basically. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. We, we're if you ever seen me at a conference, I have like really hairy arms. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's a good. <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, it's it's Solar, and then at at Guest Ranger, um, or just go to your websites and then uh, sign up from there. Perfect. That's why the blonde wig definitely won't work. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the dark eyebrows <laughs> and the five o'clock yeah. show. You don't need any yeah. of the AI or anything. It's just a given. I may dress up like Salah yeah. for Halloween. Let's see if I can. <laughs> exactly. Blonde wig with like hairy arms. And just, like, <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Salah. We appreciate you being here. If anybody Absolutely. wants to get in touch with Annie and I, you can go to alexandanniepodcast.com and send us a message. If you're enjoying the show, we would love to hear from you. Please leave us a review on whichever podcast app you listen on. And until next time, thank you, everybody.